devil worship. Fashion. Mm -hmm, I keep fucking this up. Hi, I'm Aura Van Dank, and you're here watching Murder's a Drag. I just had my iPad in front of my microphone, so if it sounds different now, you guys know the drill. I'm a fucking mess. So let's get into it. This week, like most other weeks in my life, kicked my ass, threw me in a bag, rolled that bag in a carpet, and left me in a closet for 30 years. If you want to know that reference, watch episode number one. But anyway, it, it was a lot, and I can't explain what exactly it is that's so exhausting about weeks and stuff and being an adult, but it was hard. And my brain hurts a little bit, so excuse me for being absent from the universe for a minute, but I'm back now. And I went too hard until I threw my back out. And that there was a reference to Krayshawn. Anyway, this week I got sources from a website called Black Girl Tragic. It was an article written by Craig Johnson, and then articles from The Advocate written by Mary Brick. I wanted to get that in here early because... Another thing that I consistently forget to do is cite my sources, and that's bad because I was in college for five years, so I should know how to do that by now. But yet I still forget, and I feel bad that I'm not giving these people the credit for all of the hard work that they did that I am profiting off of by using it for my own research. Before I jump into this week's video, I happened to be doing a video about a black transgender woman who was murdered this week, and... Well, she wasn't murdered this week, but that was the video that I was going to be doing for the episode this week. And back home in Charlotte, North Carolina, two transgender women were killed on the same night in separate incidences of fatal violence against transgender women. Two in one night. Not even one week, not one month, one night. It shouldn't be more than any. zero. It should be zero a year, and it's two in one night still. Yet North Carolina has no hate crime legislation, no protections, and nothing that's deferring people from committing murders and just getting away with it. And or getting two years in prison and some time in a mental institution. It's ridiculous. It's a pandemic that's been around a lot longer than COVID and has gotten a lot less notoriety and attention. And it needs to be taken care of. It's time for legislation. It's time for every state in this country to get on board with 2021 and get the fuck out of the dark ages and protect your citizens. For the time being, all I can say to my trans sisters and trans brothers is arm yourself. Weapons. When I say arm yourself, I mean physically. Weapons. It's a tragedy that it needs to be this way today, but the only way I see us getting anything is doing it ourselves. On that same note, later this month slash early next month, I'll be raising money with Murder Murder News, uh, another true crime podcast that you guys have probably heard. Uh, for the Trans Defense Fund in LA, which is an organization that gives self-defense lessons, items, uh, tasers, that sort of a thing, to trans individuals who wouldn't be able to access that otherwise, and educates trans individuals on how to stay safe. Now that I've spoken on that a little bit, it's important to also stay mentally healthy in times like this, where there is a global pandemic of murder against transgender black women and a global pandemic of literal virus that is going and killing people. You got to give yourself some grace. Understand that everything is insanely overwhelming and there is not a single human capable of dealing with all of this without needing a brain break or two and it's very important to give yourself a brain break and if you've noticed this video is a week late or maybe even two weeks late who knows at this point i obviously needed a brain break i don't even know what day it is but i'm feeling better now 
I'm looking pretty. And that's all we can really do in a time like this is give ourselves some grace and look pretty. Like I said in the last episode, I had a gig directly after my filming and I brought the children some Ashniko and some Banks, very on brand with my dark lady alternative lifestyle. And they genuinely loved it, which is crazy because usually you bring an alternative thing to North or South Carolina and they're like, Jeff. But no, here they genuinely loved it. They were super excited to see an alternative queen being alternative and and spooky-ooky and giving them that. And then I came back the following week in a gown and served them songs from the new Demi Lovato album. Everybody go listen to it. And I showed them versatility. And they were, again, gagged, gooped, and shook. My California drag career has been very, very good so far. I go to two weekly shows now that I get to do drag and be there weekly twice. And I'm in talks with multiple other places to be booked for brunches, shows. It's going very well here. Better than it was in North Carolina, to be honest. There's just more opportunities and less scary bars. It's a very validating feeling that whatever you do in life, if people don't like it, fuck them. Because the only time that you'll 100% be happy is when you're doing what makes you 100% happy. And if you're making any concessions or any kind of fiddly fats for people who think that you should be performing, looking, saying, speaking, acting another way, you're not going to be happy. So fuck that. Fuck them. And thank you for coming to my inspirational TED Talk. Now let's get into the actual series that I have. I've been watching lots of TV and YouTube and reading things that make me cry. Again, I'm obviously going through it lately. And that gave me the urge to look back at pieces that I've marked that have pending trials and that are unsolved or cold cases. And not gonna lie, it was inspired by the SVU and criminal intent crossover that happened because it made me sad. And I wanted to look into things on my list that I could maybe possibly make a difference about. Cause that's what I'm all about. Maybe possibly making a difference. So I was watching TV, getting mad at people who get off for ruining people's lives forever with just a slap on the wrist. and looked through my notes and noticed the name Raylan Thomas because I remembered that case had very similar outcomes to it. Raylan Thomas was a transgender woman who was murdered in 2016 by her mother's boyfriend. It was all over the news. It sparked outrage, yet things didn't go the way that they should have. Raylan was born in 1988 to a very close-knit family. They had brothers, sisters, aunts, cousins. Everybody was very close. They were all in touch. So extended family was barely extended family. It was basically still in the household. The Thomas family would meet often in big groups because it was a huge family to drink, eat, sing, play games, do karaoke, dance. It was always a fun time at a Thomas family occasion. And everybody who knew Ray Lynn described her as the life of that party, the life of that fun time, and the main person hooting, hollering, and dancing around at said occasions. Not only did she sing and dance at every opportunity that she could find to make somebody smile, but she was fucking good at singing and fucking good at dancing. So she was a very, very talented person. Like I said, everybody in her family, through interviews and what I've read, had called her the life of the party at some point or another. So I definitely got the impression that Raylan enjoyed a good party. Her aunt Shannon rattled off all of the cutesy nicknames that she had for Raylin growing up. Ray, Ray Ray, Raylin, my boo, Rayshana. Um, and she also named Raylin's dead name, which happened commonly 
in these articles and things that I saw when their family would discuss Raylin, sometimes her mother would call Raylin her son or misgender Raylin. But they all they all respected Raylin's identity as a transgender woman. They just were pretty set in habits and didn't really see how important it was to not be misgendering Raylin and sort of the outcome that that had, I think, taught them. But beforehand, and in some bad habits now, they still would misgender Raylin. I wanted to mention that in case you read interviews and stuff. The dead name is mentioned. I'm not mentioning it. Like I said, even though she was assigned male at birth, Raylin was exhibiting signs of being a female from day one. And as people would tell her that she was male, she just didn't understand that, didn't believe it. She knew from day one that she was a female, that there was just, there was no arguing that. Her body was a female body. Her brain was a female brain. You couldn't tell her that she was assigned male at birth. She'd say, nope, I'm a female, period. And on top of that, Raylin was a fucking fashionista. Raylin was always adding that little bit of sparkle, that little bit of glitter, that little bit of glitter, that rhinestone, that pump, something to make that outfit go to the next level and show everybody else that their clothes were not worthy of being in the same room as her or her clothes, which is true. She was constantly trying to elevate herself mentally, physically, spiritually. It was just her goal to be a better person. And that meant in every facet of her life, the way she dressed, the way she spoke, the way she acted. She just wanted to be good. Like I said, she was very close with her entire family, but particularly close with her aunt and her grandma. And every time that they would hang out together, she would want to dish, spill tea, and gossip. And according to her grandmother, would always ask, what's the tea? First thing she'd ask when she walks in the room, what's the tea? What's going on with grandpa? What's going on with auntie? How's it going? Give me the tea. That's what she wanted. And y'all know I use Legacy and Find a Grave and websites like that to do a lot of my research because for underreported cases and cases where folks are dead named or they're just not reported correctly, places like Legacy and Find a Grave and obituaries are the only place that you can really get information from. And on Ray Lynn's page, her grandmother had been posting for years about how much she missed Ray Lynn, updates about life, what had gone on. In 2017, when Raylin's grandfather passed, her grandmother got on the legacy page and let her know that her grandfather had joined her. And she said on there, quote, Your grandpa joined you February 19th, 2017. We are all feeling the loss of the both of you so deeply. When you see him, remember to ask, Hey, grandpa, what's the tea? LOL. Well, save a place for us. Remember, we will always love and miss you, grandma. Unquote. I was boohooing when I was reading that, and I almost started boohooing now, but I've learned a little bit more self-control. Every time the family would gather, Raylin would be the one to turn the music on, start dancing, and get everybody hype. She was the hype woman for her entire family, essentially. Raylin dealt with a lot of adversity, obviously, as a black transgender woman living in a place like Ohio. She struggled to find stable work and stable living situations, but also made a ton of friends along the way. She worked at the local Walmart, where she made a lasting impression on literally everybody that she worked with, who most of which went to that same legacy page and left messages on her memorial saying how much they would miss her and just remembering all of the good times that they had together. Raylan genuinely made huge impacts on everybody that she met. She also had a ton of fun on the app Smool or Smooly, I don't even know how to say it, but it's a karaoke app where you can connect with other people online and sing karaoke with them. Like I said, Raylin loved to sing karaoke, so she would use that app all the time, and she made a lot of friends on there, and they would sing duets together and do karaoke together, and it was super cute, and even some of her friends from the Smooly Smool app left messages for her on her legacy page. Fucking adorable. 
In general, she was positive, affirming, and everybody knew her that way, and everybody loved her, except for her mother's boyfriend, James Allen Bird. Bird was not exactly a stand-up citizen in his life, and past records would indicate exactly that. Those included criminal damaging, multiple drug charges, weapon under disability, which means possessing a weapon if you have a felony or something that disables you from being able to purchase a weapon or possess it, previous felonies, and at least a dozen other records that just weren't specifically listed or named. Which is a complete juxtaposition to Raylan's mother, Renee, who was a very kind-hearted woman, very kind-hearted person in general, and honestly tried her best to see past the bad in everybody, which is probably why she ended up falling in love with Jane. Raylan lived with her mom, and like I said, her mom and her got along very well. They hung out together. They were like friends, basically. Raylan dealt with constant shit from James, who would always refer to her as him and misgender her, call her Satan, say that she disgusted him, and only refer to her as the devil. James was very on and off in every sense of personality. He had his highs and he had his lows, and they were extreme and very unpredictable. Sometimes he was level-headed, he didn't want to cause a problem, and he even seemed like he might be fun to hang out with. And other times he was just completely evil and unstable, just talking out of his head and not making sense. As time went on with Raylan, her mother, and James all living together, it became sort of a daily struggle to avoid James's huge mood swings. And on a normal night, watching television and relaxing on the couch, James was in the bedroom and Renee and Raylan were on the couch assuming he'd gone to sleep. And as Renee recalls it, on that night, August 10th, 2016, James came out from that bedroom around the corner and without warning, immediately brandished a gun and fired two shots directly into Raylan Thomas. The home immediately erupted into chaos. Raylan screaming in pain, screaming for help. Raylan's mother, Renee, screaming at James to put the gun down and stop. And James charging at Raylan and beating her brutally. Renee called the police right off the bat. She did whatever she could to defend her daughter. And she remembers thinking, quote, He picked up my heavy scale and he wanted to beat her with that. You shot my daughter. How much more? And she trailed off and she was obviously traumatized having just watched her daughter be murdered by her boyfriend. It, this whole case was very traumatizing for her. As Raylin was being actively beaten to death and dying, she called to her mother, quote, Mom, I love you. Tell my sisters and my brother I love them. Tell my family I love them. Mom, I'm dying. I'm dying. Please don't leave me. Eventually, James fled out of the apartment. He started running around the complex in the parking lot, a mess. And when the police arrived, they called Renee out of the apartment and sent EMS in there. And that's when Raylan died inside the apartment. Renee feels guilty to this day because her last request was her daughter begging, Mom, please don't leave me. And the cops called her outside. And while she was outside, her daughter died inside, alone. And that really bugs Renee, and it really bugs me. That shouldn't have been what happened. She should have at least been able to see her daughter, be in the same room as her daughter while they tried to do whatever it was that they were trying to do. James was still wandering around aimlessly outside when the police arrived, so they were able to take him right into custody. And when the news spread about Raylan's murder, there was national coverage because it marked the 19th murder of a transgender individual 
in 2016, that year alone, and it was only August. Those who were keeping track of the violence happening against transgender individuals at an alarming rate were putting pressure on local law enforcement, local legislators, and local government to push this case to the front of their burners and take care of it as fast as humanly possible. However, there were unsurprisingly problems that were going to keep them from doing that. The main issue here is that there were no statute for hate crimes in Ohio, so there was no way for James to be charged with a hate crime when a law like that doesn't exist in that state, what I was talking about in the beginning of this video. On top of that, considering the circumstances, how they found James wandering around outside, and his just delusional sort of fugue state that he was in, he was considered unfit to stand trial, so he did not have to be held accountable for what he had done. It was clear that there was a buildup for an insanity plea, a trans-tanic defense, or a gay panic defense coming up in the works. This is why he was acting like he was insane when he is not. If anything, he's got a controllable and treatable bipolar disorder that he just hasn't addressed or seen an issue with his behavior. Not until murder does anything ever get done. Although he was arrested on the night of August 10th, 2016, right after he had murdered Raylan Thomas, by December 2016, he was found unfit to stand trial and sentenced to just a year in a mental institute where a judge was confident for some reason that it would only take 365 days to have him fit for trial. Weirder is that after that year was up, he was not fit to stand trial still, but there's no indication of whether or not he was kept in the mental facility or moved to a prison or sent somewhere else, set free, I don't fucking know. They, nobody knows. There's no information available for that. So it's unfortunately possible that he's been living with no repercussions for the past five years, having murdered somebody in front of their mother. What the fuck? And unfortunately, you guys know when I'm what the fucking, there's probably going to be no closure. Both Renee and Ray Lynn's aunt have expressed that they want to see James face life in prison. Renee said, quote, life in prison. Spend your life in prison. That's what you do. I can't spend life with my daughter because you took her from me, I don't want you to spend life with your family. My guess would be that he's gonna die wherever he is now, if that's in captivity, if that's in an ocean somewhere. Maybe he's already dead. I, I don't know. I keep my guesses optimistic, and my optimism in this case is dictating that he dies. Today he'd be 56 and technically deemed still not fit stable for trial since that has never been changed. So any hope of him being a free person or somebody who's able to operate freely is non-existent, which is possibly the only positive in this case. As for their family, Raylin is remembered fondly by her grandmother on Legacy.com, by her friends, co-workers. People really seem to have had an impact left on them by Raylin. They talk about her smile, her attitude, her dancing, like this crazy video of her just hooping, hollering, dancing around the living room with her family. It's, she had that energy all the time. Numbers are not changing for black transgender women being murdered. People other than those who have already been doing it for their entire lives need to start writing legislation and fighting for change. Tell people how important it is and why it's important for us to have hate crime laws and legislation in place. There's so many cases that go unreported. Any numbers that we'll ever have are skewed because cases are falsely reported, misgendering victims. We'll never know truly how terrible the situation is because we just don't have that kind of data. So we need to make a change and we need to make a change now. And that's real tea. It's weird because I don't have a transition segment here where I usually do a transformation and then talk about the end of the video. No, I don't have that this time. 
So how are you guys now that I've told the story? Do you like this, this setup? There's no pausing, no music. Very smooth transitions into the end of the video. I have another gig tonight. It's Saturday, it's my filming day. Like I said, it's weekly, so that's kind of why I'm doing this the way I'm doing it, to give myself a little bit more time with makeup and not have to rush both the video and my makeup and instead be able to take my time on both of those. However, if we liked it better the other way, let me know, I'll change it back. Otherwise, I'm Aura Van Dank. That's at Aura Van Dank. And I will see you next week. Mm -hmm. Follow me on social media.